Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There's nothing that we have on this earth that can even remotely compare to what is in heaven. The rubbish bins, the trash bins in heaven, if there are any, are far better than anything that we, the best stuff we have to offer here on earth, okay? The streets are paved with gold. It's asphalt to them. Like, oh, we need to build a new road. Oh, throw down some new pure gold. Pure is like crystal clear, like pure, absolute gold. We pave our roads in our parking lots with it in heaven. Imagine having to describe to someone what eating your favorite flavor of ice cream is like, and they've never even had ice cream at all. Where do you even start? How can words even come close to explaining that real-life experience of eating ice cream? In today's message, Pastor James teaches that in the book of Revelation, John does his best to put into words the experience that he had in heaven. It was literally otherworldly. So how are you supposed to describe something that's not like anything else? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So we're going into Revelation chapter 4. Last week we covered 2 and 3. The reason why we covered 2 and 3 last week was because of the, it's all the churches, okay, basically. And, and whether you're looking at that from the actual physical churches that existed when the letter was distributed out, which they did, there's a whole postal route in Asia Minor that all those churches basically occupied and those letters were physically delivered. They were physically read in churches. People heard them. They also represent different time frames throughout history, church history, the Protestant era, and then all that good stuff. But we walk through all those things because the, the main thing is, we talked about this in chapter one. There's a simple, simple breakdown of, of Revelation, okay? You got Revelation chapter one, that's section one. Revelation two and three, that's section two. And then Revelation four onward is section three. Okay, you want a simple outline. It's the only book in the Bible that offers you its own outline, okay? It's the only one, and which makes it easy. I mean, it, it makes it kind of easy to comprehend. And, you know, there's some things that we're not going to really get too dogmatic about. But as far as where we stand as a, as a church, I, I would say, you know, in line with Calvary Chapels and some other churches as well, we're, we're pre-trib. Um, we're banking on pre-trib, okay? I'm going to say it like that. Banking on pre-trib, about 100% that that's how it's going to be. If it's not, please let it be mid-trib. Please, oh, please let it be mid-trib, right? Those post-trib guys, I don't even know where they get that stuff from, but I'm just like, all right, whatever. But Revelation kind of maps this whole thing out to where it's like chapters two and three, all about the church. Chapters four onward, church isn't mentioned anymore until Revelation 19, okay? So after the tribulation. Very fascinating that there's no reference of the term church at all. Now, four and five, there's, there's hints of it and all that good stuff. Before, before all the stuff starts getting poured out on the earth, basically from chapter six onward, there's no, there's no real, there's no use of the term church, okay? Now, there'll be use of a word, the verbiage believers and things like that. So I can understand how some people may think, well, the church is still around. But as far as like the church goes, 
2 and 3 address that. And because Jesus will show up, when it's time to dish out judgment, he's always going to start with the church first. That's how it is. He's going to discipline, because he loves us, the church first. And he's going to address justice, which this world is in desperate need of, if you have any idea what's going on within our world and current events and all that stuff. What our world is lacking and is in desperate need of is justice. It's justice. It's coming. It's coming. And it's far better to let the Lord dish out justice than us, because we stink at it. And honestly, the only thing we're really good at is posting stuff on social media, and that doesn't do any bit of good, okay? It just doesn't. It doesn't change the world. It doesn't. God's justice will absolutely set things straight. Before you get there, you got Revelation 4 and 5, which are some of the most beautiful chapters, literally beautiful chapters in all, of, in all of Scripture. It's just incredible what we get to go through. So let's look. Verse 1, chapter 4. After these things, I looked. This is John, okay? So John the Beloved. Uh, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. A door standing open in heaven. Well, there's a reference to uh, a door and heaven, and it's found in the Gospels. And his name is Jesus, and he says, I'm the door. And uh, basically, nobody comes to the Father but through me. Interesting. There's also this thing of uh, a voice, the first voice. That references back into chapter 1. That was Jesus talking to John. So here's Jesus, basically with the door of heaven wide open, shouting down to John. He's like, hey, come on up here. You want to get into heaven? You want a, you want a really cool view of what the throne room looks like in heaven? Well, that's an invitation through Jesus only. And the access, the only access anyone will ever have is through Jesus, period. So here's the door that's open to heaven. And here's the voice, the first voice, which I heard was like a trumpet, like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, come up here or come away. This is that word, uh, this is kind of where we get our rapture word, okay? Because the word rapture is really not in the Bible at all. But this being caught up, this is where we get some of this. And First Thessalonians talks about this as well, but... Here's John, doors open, here's a voice, like a trumpet blast, very clear, very distinct, and then, and we'll see, in, 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 in an instant, he's gone. He's gone off of this earth, which he was in Patmos, he was off the, you know, the island of Patmos, uh, basically incarcerated, kind of, on Patmos, deserted on Patmos, but here's the voice, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. So this is all the, the latter portion of Revelation. So we just talked about the churches. And Jesus was showing John all the churches and all this good stuff. Here's what's going on. He's like, okay, so after all this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what's going to happen now. Or this is all future tense. Okay? Some people say that, no, this happened before. And speaking of like the Roman captivity and all that stuff. Um, there's no real, no real evidence that any of this, it's, it's not talking about an already happened event, okay? Nor is this talking about things that have already happened, basically past for us as well, leading up to today. This is all talking about future things about to happen. For us, we believe, we stand on the doorstep of these things. How amazing would that be? Out of the, out of the air, there's a trumpet blast, and there's that, hey, come up here, and then the twinkling of an eye... You're gone. You're gone. And it all starts. What a beautiful day that's going to be. 
This is all speaking future stuff, though, okay? Come up here. I'll show you what must must take place after this. That's Jesus' invitation to John. Verse 2, immediately, okay? At once, I believe this is ESV, at once or immediately, without hesitation, nothing standing in the way, nothing possibly hindering me, nothing holding me back. In an instant, I was caught up. I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. So here's John, and in an instant, he hears the voice, and he's, he's taken, he's, I'm in the spirit, behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald, okay? So, so here's John, he shows up and just like, Boom, within, within an instant, I mean, he is in the throne room of heaven, and he immediately sees this throne, which who knows what, what this thing is. I mean, it had to be impressive because it's like one of the first things he notices. He notices there is one who is on the throne, and he can't even describe physically what he's seeing. He's going to use these stones, these rare, precious gems in order to somewhat kind of describe the aurora kind of a thing that's just beaming off of this one who sits on the throne. When you show up to heaven, it's, it's not black and white. It's like technicolor. It's ultra high def. It is like John is blown away by what he sees, and he's using colors to describe what he sees. This is incredible. I mean, he's just like, he's like, I'm looking. The one who sat on the throne, how do I describe it? Well, he's kind of like Jasper. It's kind of like Jasper. And then he says, he goes on to say, and then the Sardis stone in appearance. Okay, so you got that Sardis stone. That's another kind of fiery red. So again, it's another just fiery red kind of just light beaming off of this individual. And then he goes on to say this, this rainbow, this rainbow that basically encircles the throne. It's emerald. We all know emerald. If you've seen Wizard of Oz, you're very familiar with emerald, the emerald city. Okay, so that's it right there. It's a beautiful stone. He's like, there's this rainbow there, but it's not like our rainbow in one sense of the, the prism, like Roy Jibiv, right? You guys remember that from science class? Red, orange, yellow. But it's, it's this, this rainbow that is this fully circular around the throne, and it's green like an emerald. There's different thoughts on why, why green, at least from what I, what I read up on was it was just talking about the grace of God, the grace of God, which is fresh, which is new, always, continually, kind of like grass, right? Green grass, it's fresh, it's good, it's healthy, it's growing, it doesn't stop growing down here, it never stops growing. Amarillo, Texas, they don't even know what green grass is. You have to plant it and it's fake, okay? So that's, if you want green grass in Amarillo, you got to go artificial, but where it's, the climate's right, it's just, it's green. It means there's life, and it's continual. It's nonstop. So there's some thoughts there that this, this green, and we know the, the rainbows, it's, it's, it's not really, it's nobody else's but God's, okay? Um, let me just say that. The rainbow belongs to nobody else but God. We know from Genesis, when he flooded this world, he put this rainbow in the sky, as a, as a covenant, as a promise, so to speak, that he would never flood the world again. He would never destroy the world with a flood again, okay? And that rainbow, at least on our end, we see it as it's this bow, and it, and it kind of brings into our minds the, like the war, like the weapon-type bow. And where is it pointed? It's pointed at heaven, 
okay? So God's saying, like, look, I'm never going to flood this earth again, okay? I'm going to make a deal with you guys. I'll never, ever flood this earth again. Now, around his throne is this perfect rainbow that says serving as just another uh, reminder for John, for his audience, for us, that God is faithful and God is true. He's absolutely faithful to his word. He's absolutely true. His grace is never ending, never goes stale, always fresh. It's always new. But this rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And here's John just doing the best that he can to describe what he's seeing. I love this. So don't, you're not going to be disappointed when you show up in the throne room of heaven. You're like, I don't see the green. I'm like, what's, was John like colorblind? Like, you're not, no, you're going to be on your face, Okay. Just being there, you're going to be on your face. John's just doing his best. Imagine being in his position as he gets this like sneak peek. Paul got to maybe see this thing too, and he's like, I'm not even going to talk about it. He's like, I'm not even going to talk about it. I can't talk about what I saw. John's like, okay, so I'm supposed to write all this stuff down. How do I describe what I'm seeing? Can you imagine the pressure of that? Jesus is like, all right, come up here. Bring your notebook with you because I need you to write some notes. And you're going to take it back, and you're going to communicate to everybody, the world. And all the churches are going to receive this letter from you, John, based on what you saw. And it's going to be passed down through all of history. Take good notes, John. Right? And he's like, oh, man, I'd be sweating. I'd be, like, so stressed out. I'd be like, I don't know. It's kind of like green, a green emerald. There's a rainbow there. It's just it's incredible. He walks into this thing, and he's just blown away. He's blown away. There's nothing that we have on this earth that can even remotely compare to what is in heaven. The rubbish bins, the trash bins in heaven, if there are any, are far better than anything that we, the best stuff we have to offer here on earth, okay? The streets are paved with gold. It's asphalt to them. Like, oh, we need to build a new road. Oh, throw down some new pure gold. Pure is like crystal clear, like pure absolute gold. We pave our roads and our parking lots with it in heaven. John walks into this thing, and he's just like, I mean, you can imagine as he's just like taking in the, the sights and the sounds and, and, you know, just everything, all senses fully engaged, absolutely fully engaged. And he's doing his best to say, like, it, it's kind of like this. I don't know. It, it's, like, it's like a sardis stone. It's like, it's like a jasper stone. It's like an emerald. Verse 4, it says, around the throne were 24 thrones, other thrones. So you got the one throne, which is the key, absolutely distinct from all the 24 thrones. So there's the one main throne, and then there's 24 thrones that he noticed as well. And he says, on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne, the main throne, proceeded lightnings, thunders, and voices. There's two, two references within the Old Testament that I, I would probably point you to, to if you wanted further reading on this. But for sure, Ezekiel chapter 1 speaks of the throne room. Incredible there. I think in chapter 10 as well. And then Isaiah chapter 6 is one of like the most powerful throne room recallings, experiences, so to speak, that um, Isaiah was able to throw down where he's like, man, I saw the Lord seated on his throne and his train filled the temple. And when he spoke, everything shook. It's power. It's power. Absolute power. But these 24 thrones, 24 elders, who are these guys? What are these guys? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's different thoughts. 
So could it be representatives, uh, a representative from each of the 12 tribes plus uh, the 12 apostles? That makes 24. Sounds right. Could it be, you know, I mean, there's all types of different thoughts and stuff. What we do know is um, more than likely they are humans, okay? They sing a song in Revelation chapter 5, and they talk about how the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb is what has redeemed them, is what has saved them. Well, we know that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was for us sinners, okay? So these aren't like um, angelic beings. I know there's some thoughts that that's what it is. Uh, We don't really have a lot of evidence to to point that out. What we do have, when you look at the context, and if you take chapter 5, as a part of that, you have individuals who are writing this song that says, um, you have redeemed us, God, by your blood. Well, he's redeemed mankind by his blood. So who are the 24? I don't know. Maybe it represents the church. Possibly. Sure. Why not? Does it really matter all that much? Well, it'll be clear one day. That's what I know. Is it worth tripping up over and struggling and wrestling through and getting into fights with other people about here on earth? No, not at all. Not at all. Because to me, it doesn't matter who the 24 are or even the fact that there's 24 thrones. The only thing that matters to me right now is that one main throne. That's the only thing, I'm, that's the only thing I care about. When I look at Revelation chapter 4, my focus, my, like, what excites me is that one throne, is the one. The 24, that's going to be cool. We'll have all of eternity to get to know whoever those 24 are or what they represent and all that stuff. That'll be sweet. But that's secondary. I want the one. Just give me the one throne. Give me the one throne. And, and we know who's seated on that throne. I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't take a lot to figure that out. But I want to see that. I want to see that Sardis. I want to see that Jasper. I want to see that emerald type, like emeralds, whatever, rainbow. I... That's what, that's what I want to see. That's what I can't wait to see. I cannot wait. It gives me goosebumps when I think about it, of how awesome it's going to be for the church. This will be where we're at one day. This will be where we're at one day. You'll experience chapter 4 one day. It, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. The greatest church service you've ever been a part of is garbage compared to what's going to happen. Now, it's good. It's awesome. The Holy Spirit falls. And Acts chapter 2 doesn't even compete with this. I hope we understand like how amazing heaven is going to be. Acts chapter 2. There's no greater church service than Acts chapter 2. But it doesn't even scratch the surface when you talk about heaven and what church, quote unquote, worship is going to be like. Just amazing, amazing. What, what, why? Why aren't our, why isn't Acts chapter, well, Acts chapter 2 was full of sinners. Redeemed sinners, but still sinners. The best Sunday service you've ever been a part of was full of sinners, carrying in their own baggage and garbage and junk, right? I mean, it's beautiful, it's sweet. When the Spirit falls, oh, there's nothing that can, I mean, we've, I think we've all been a part of something like that. But in heaven, there's no sin. There's no sinners. There's no sin. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no weeping. It's just rejoicing. It's worship. It's perfect. It's, 
It's everything that God always intended it to be from the very beginning. It's incredible. And here's John just like, like looking around, he's like, oh man, I, I see this throne, I see these colors, I see these other thrones and these 24 elders sitting on those. So imagine if one of those was an apostle, then is John seeing himself? He's like, that guy looks really familiar. <laughs> it's like, I think it's me, right? I don't know. I have no clue, but that is an odd thought if you think about it, right? So <laughs> who knows? But there's 24. They're ruling and reigning, co-ruling and reigning with Christ. And that speaks of his children, though, okay? So we'll get into some of that stuff a little bit later. But just to paint that picture for us, they had their white robes, which we know we went through Acts, or I'm no, sorry, um, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, and uh, part of the overcoming, the victorious ones, you'll be dressed in white. You'll get crowns, okay? So there's a lot of indications here that these are um, representatives of maybe the church. Uh, however, we'll go on. Verse 5, it says, from the throne proceeded the lightnings, the thunders, thunderings, and the voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Or uh, other translations would say um, it's like the seven spirits of God, this complete spirit, the Holy Spirit, right, it is, is kind of what's being, is who, well, who's being referenced there. It, it's, it's just going on. It's, it's, it's happening. Heaven. I mean, the throne room of God. I mean, it's the place to be. It is absolutely the place to be. He goes on to, to continue to describe this, the setup here. Verse 6, before the throne, there was a, a sea of glass, like crystal, okay? It says, as if it were a sea of, a sea of glass, like crystal. So he, again, he's using descriptive terms as best as he can. It, he's like, when I was looking before the throne, it kind of looked like just pure, absolutely the purest form of crystal, all before the, the throne, before the throne of God, which speaks of a, not only like a purity, but of a peacefulness and a calmness, which is probably why the Lord so often is inviting us to bring all of our madness, worries, and all that stuff to Him and to set Him at His feet. Because, I mean, even, even at His feet, it's just peacefulness. It's calmness. So here is this picture of heaven, and we know we have these invitations from God saying, hey, look, are you know, any of you guys anxious? You worried? You burdened by all your cares? Well, you can cast those onto me because I care about you. And even just in the room itself, so to speak, I mean, he's just surrounded by peace. And he's saying, look, you can bring it to me. My perfect peace can be your peace. So there's this, quote, unquote, the sea of glass, light crystal, absolutely pure, absolutely still. John's just writing it down. He's like, I don't know. This is just what it looked like to me. It says, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back and all on their wings. Says the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had, had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, 
holy. Revelation isn't just a dream that John made up to entertain or scare people. But yet, I wonder what we feel about the last book of the Bible. John's vision of what he saw in the heavens offers many details and signs about what we can expect to come in the future. I take comfort in these words found in Revelation 21.4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Oh, what a glorious day that is going to be. Are you ready, friends, for Jesus to return? If you have questions regarding today's message, would you let us know by visiting breadforthebroken.com and submitting your question through email? We look forward to answering your questions and praying for you as well. There's loads of messages from Pastor James Grizzle to be found, so don't navigate away from breadforthebroken.com until you've perused them at your leisure. They're to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to encourage and uplift you as you navigate the storms that life throws at you, because we know how rough life gets sometimes. Are you looking for a church to call home, one that's genuine, simple, and uncomplicated? Well, guess what? You found it here with us at Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m., you can find us studying God's Word together. So, would you make some plans to come join us? We sure hope so. We trust that you've been blessed by this edition of Bread for the Broken. See you next time. Let me paint the picture of you, man.